If you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 is where we're going to be. And uh, I don't know, uh, up there, do we have our slides for Aaron? Do you have slides for our, our there, there we go. Um, we have been praying our way through Pentecost. And while we have been doing that, uh, we have been praying the, the last several weeks. Many of you have been joining us in there. We have been talking a little bit about preparation for cultivation, where we talked about asking God to prepare the soil of our hearts. Then we talked about, am I motivated to pray? And we talked about asking and seeking and knocking and going the, the next degree and those who ask and find and, and on the, that whole scripture. And then last week, we talked about prayers for... Uh, uh, by the apron strings. We talked about the Lord's Prayer and what that meant to pray that, not just as empty words of recitation, but, but meaningful words as a model for which to pray. And my question as we begin uh, or ended last week and begin this week is just this again. What has the Lord been saying to you? Through this time of prayer, this concentrated time, what has the Lord been saying to you? to you. Then the, the, the question becomes, what are we doing in response? What are we doing in response to what God has been saying? What do we then do in response to that? My question is, what walls do you have in your life? How are you praying over those barriers, those obstacles, those things that come up in life, those, those walls in life. Is there anything or is there something hindering your walk with Jesus? Now, it's interesting. Why, my question is, why do people build walls in life? Well, there's a variety of reasons, and we could think of several. We could say that they're there for stability. Obviously, we wouldn't be here if these worlds weren't built many years ago, and we believe in the contractors and the building codes, and, and these walls are, are stable, and that gives us stability for our homes. Some are for privacy, like in your backyard. Maybe you've got a lot of neighbors or there's uh, for whatever reason, and so you, put a, you build a fence, and, and that's for some privacy. Maybe it's for safety, like in a security facility. Maybe they're for walls are built for memorials, like in Washington, D.C. Maybe they're built because of separation, like if you remember the Berlin Wall, or even for an overwhelming protection, like the Great Wall of China. Even walls built between relationships and people. It's hard to put the, the size of the walls into perspective. Some walls are built uh, that are built maybe small in size, but large in significance. There's a dispute with a neighbor, and so you put up a wall. Uh, you're in discussion with someone, and they say something, a wall goes up. Maybe it's because of fear or misunderstanding, a wall goes up. Those walls can be large and they can be large and insurmountable as the Great Wall of China or as small as the spoken word. Some are erected overnight, others take years. 
was telling someone this morning, did a little bit of research over the last little while. Let's talk about the Great Wall of China. Anybody have a guess as to how long the length of the Great Wall of China is? Well, I'll tell you, it's over 13,000 miles long. Isn't that unbelievable? 13,000 miles. You say, Pastor, how long did it take to build that? Well, it took, wasn't overnight. It took 2,300 years, nine dynasties, to build the Great Wall of China. That's a long time to build a wall. Do you have walls in your life that you have built over the years, some intentionally, some unintentionally? I'm not just talking about physical ones, but maybe rather relational ones or even spiritual ones. And I wonder if there's a story in Scripture that talks to us about overcoming insurmountable objects for God. Do you see the size of your problem or do you see the size of our God? Our, our, our text this morning is in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 30, but the majority of our passage is going to come from Joshua chapter 6. In summary, Hebrews 11 sort of sum, summarizes the entire story. It says, It was by faith that the people of Israel marched around Jericho for seven days, and the walls came crashing down. My point this morning is this. By faith, they were thanking God before they received the answers to their prayers. In this time of praying, in this concentrated time that we're taking, sometimes there are barriers or walls that are erected that hinder our relationship with God or with others, and they, they become a hindrance with our communication to God. Let me sort of summarize how this story goes. We're not going to read it this morning. The story really begins many years earlier when, when God talked to Abram about giving him the, the land of Canaan, the, the promised land. And in the book of Numbers, the children of Israel have been released after 400 years of slavery, and now they're, they're getting ready to enter the, the promised land. And, and what does Moses do? He says, I want you guys, I want you to get some materials together, and I want you to scout out the promised land. I want you to go in and see what's there and what's necessary and what resources and what, what gifts and all the things that go along with them. Off they go. Sure enough, they eventually return. And in Numbers chapter 13, beginning in verse 27, this was their response. It said, this was the report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a bountiful country. It is a land flowing with milk and honey. I mean, here's the kind of fruit that it produces. And don't you love this next phrase? But you know, the people living there, they're powerful. And their towns I mean, they're large and fortified. I mean, we even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. It's interesting that it talks about the human limitations to the promise that God had already given to them. What was their problem? Their problem was focus. Their, their, their focus was on their problem, not on what God had said to them. It seemed insurmountable to them. But I love the response from Caleb. But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. 
Let's go at once to take the land, he said. I mean, we can certainly conquer it. But the other man who had explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. And isn't that sometimes what we hear? Isn't that sometimes when we're facing something in our life and Satan says, you know what? This, there's no hope there. This just seems insurmountable. You can't do anything about that. And yet at the same time, God's word tells us that when we pray, when we believe in him, when we respond to what Jesus is saying to us, that we do have victory. We can overcome those things. And so they ended up wandering for 40 years in the desert. Do you know someone? Do you know a situation this morning where they did not follow the Lord's leading and ended up wandering for 40 years, let's say. Now we find the story of Joshua many years later. It's testing time again. They're to take the promised land, but standing in their way is this particular obstacle of the, of the city of Jericho, a walled city. Would they again see the size of their problem or the size of their God? And so this morning we're going to talk about their problem seemed insurmountable. And secondly, that God asked of them an impossible request. And thirdly, he answered and provided an improbable answer. Let's look at the first. The problem seemed insurmountable. What does it say in chapter 6, verse 1? It says, now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people, no, I just love this passage. Look at the difference here. The, they were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. No one was allowed to go in or out or in. But the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho, its king, and all of its strong warriors. What a promise. What a promise before they even get in. Look, guys, I understand I've already given you the promised land. This is the big obstacle, but I'm telling you, I've already given, if you'll just listen and respond to what I'm saying, I've already given you the victory. All you need to do is go in and take it. All you need to do is respond in obedience. All you need to do is listen to my words and do what I say, and you'll have victory. It's a walled city. Now, the walls are somewhere between 15 and 25 feet high. You'd say, Pastor, it's hard to picture. Well, here's a picture I found on the internet, and it looks like a walled city, and, and many scholars think that it might have been two walls, and, and there was some other living, and I guess maybe that's why it said Rahab could live in the wall of the city, and so that makes perfect sense. And, and I think that they were telling me about how big how big this place was. I mean, it, it, it just seemed like the walls were impenetrable. It just seemed insurmountable. In fact, if you see other pictures, it looked, I've never been there, but what they would tell me is that it, that it was sloping upwards, and so it was very difficult to get to that place. But they also tell us it was only about, at that particular time, 10 acres. You say, Pastor, how big's 10 acres? Well, it was about as big as the cornfield back here. Or better yet, let me give you another, I don't know exactly, but another better one might be the stadium where the Buckeyes play in Columbus. 
big walls. And yet they had hundreds of thousands of people marching around the city. The Israelites had been at this time of life before. This period of testing. Remember what we just said four years earlier? Ten of the twelve spies came back and said, nope, can't do it. Ended up wandering. They were fearful of the battle. But now we get to Joshua. And in Joshua chapter 1, they're coming in again to take the land. And, and the first obstacle they get to before they get to Jericho is the Jordan River. And the, which was not the size of the Mississippi, but more, they tell me, is the size of the Cocosian River at flood stage. Didn't seem all that surmountable. And so many of the walls that we build or obstacles that we face have more to do with the fearful lies that Satan gives to us or tells us that they are insurmountable than they are than the actual size in life. As we're praying our way to Pentecost, do you have an insurmountable wall in your life? It could be about a broken relationship. It could be about a financial reversal, retirement, starting off in life. It might be about a lost friend or a lost loved one who does not know the Lord. It might be over a physical report that you've received from the doctor and, and we know what the C word is in our family years ago. The doctor says you have cancer. It might be the regret of, of past failures or even just Satan saying you're not smart enough, you're not brave enough, you're not educated enough. You look at your background, look at your family history. You just can't do it. And I wonder what the spies thought as they were sent out to scout out this insurmountable barrier called Jericho. Well, we do know. Because in Joshua chapter 2, we read this. Before the spies went to sleep that night, they finally get to Rahab's house where she protected them. Rahab went up on the roof to talk to them. And she said, you know, I know the Lord has given you. They knew. Isn't it interesting that the enemy knew? I know that the Lord has given you this land. She told them, we're all afraid of you. Everyone in the land is living in terror. For, for we heard how the Lord made a path of a dry, or a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. And we know what you did to Sion and Og and, and the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River whose people you completely destroyed. And here she's relating all that God has already did. And I wonder sometimes if we even believe everything or give God praise for what he's already doing. Because there will be times when it seems like the wall of your Jericho seems insurmountable. But remember that God is still working and that he needs prayer warriors that will say, I will not listen to the enemy's lies. I know that my God is stronger than that. I mean, why could the children of Israel in faith thank God before the answer to their prayers came? Because God said, I have given you. I have given you Jericho and its king and all of its strong warriors. God was saying up front, if you believe me and have faith in me, I have already given you the victory. But there is always an element of faith. There is always an element of obedience. 
God said he had already given them the victory. They needed to know how to respond with obedience. Oh, we hear all kinds of excuses. We can't, we can't, we can't, we can't. God says, no, you can. So the two questions arise again uh, for that. And it says, oh, like, let me continue this. It says, no wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things. For the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens above all the earth below. And so the two questions that come to us is this. What is God saying to you? And what are you doing in response? Those are the two questions. That's what we've been dealing with. So the second part of it is God gave them an impossible request. What did God ask of them? What would be their obedience March around the city. March around the city once a day for six days. Seven priests are to lead the, the way with the Ark of the Covenant, each carrying a ram's horn. On the seventh day, you're to march around the city for seven times, the priests blowing their horns. And when the final long blast comes, everyone is to shout as loud as they can. can. In essence, what he's saying is, I need everybody full in. No half-heartedness, no faking it. It's all or nothing. Everybody's got to shout. Everybody's got to do that. And I remember the last time I preached on that, well, I think I had uh, Jenny here with her shafar. We blew the horn and we all yelled, if you remember that. Can you imagine? Can you imagine how that must have felt with those who he was talking to? How do you think they responded coming back to the guys who were leading the charge. Well, guys, you're not going to believe this, but this is what God told us to do. None of the picking up the arms, none of the shields, none of the sores, none of anything. What we're going to do is we're going to walk and we're, gonna, we're not going to say anything. We're just going to walk. We're going to be quiet. I wonder how that, can you, can you, if I'm there, this is my response. Did I hear him right? These walls, these insurmountable things are just going to crumble because we're just going to walk around the, the situation. And maybe God in your setting, which seems so insurmountable, is speaking to you during this time of prayer and maybe even sharing with you something that seems like, really, God, did I hear from you? Because I'm not sure that's going to work. Really? We're going to question God? And yet that's what they did. Do you think they prayed as they walked? Do you think they were excited? Maybe at least for the first couple times. The first day, this is going to be great, man. And they walked. They're excited. Day two, yay. Day number three, this is getting really tired. My feet really hurt. I got to go home and soak my feet. My legs, man, I just need some Tylenol or some ibuprofen because, man, we've been walking around this place for an awful long time. And it, man, I haven't walked. Man, my hips, ooh, they hurt. Day four. Day five, day six, 
Do you ever get tired of praying? Do you ever get tired of doing something that you think, God, man, I don't know how you're working in all of this, but it just seems like a futile attempt as we're going along. As we mentioned last week, maybe in our prayers, you're past the excitement stage of just asking. And now moving to seeking and knocking, and in a spiritual way, you've been praying and walking. Do you think any of them had any doubts? Lord, I'm not exactly sure what you're doing, but we'll continue on. You see, they'd had those questions before. In Numbers chapter 11, we find that it wasn't too long after they left Egypt that they began to complain. They faced some hardships. And in Numbers chapter 11, verse 5, it begins to say, we remember the, we remember the fish we used to eat in Egypt. I mean, at least we, all we had were cucumbers and melons and leeks and onions and garlic. Mm, doesn't that sound delicious? But now our appetites are gone. And all we ever see is this manna. You know what manna was? Manna was the bread that God provided every day. It was their daily bread. I can imagine, I like steak, but if I had steak for 40 years, that might get a little old. But what he's saying here is, you know, when times were getting difficult, it wasn't about pressing through. It was about going back to my old way of living. You know what? It, was, it might not have been great, but at least we knew what we had. And that's what that verse of Scripture references. And I wonder if the reason God had them marching in silence was to remember that it would be he that would answer their prayers. It was not by might or strength, but by God's strength. And so they did for six days. And you know, it took courage for Israel to do that because they were wide open for attack. I mean, it would have been easy for the Jericho warriors to have rained down on them and to have really just, they were just fully exposed. Do you need to be reminded to have courage today? And so they did for six days. And it took endurance for Israel to do that because the march was for six days and they had to persist in something that didn't seem to make much sense. And so they did for six days. And in this, the helplessness of Israel was revealed. Through those six days of silent marching, they had a good look. They had a good look at the walls that seemed to be so impenetrable. They knew that this was a battle bigger than they were. You see, there's a principle of silence at work here, one writer wrote. He said, can you imagine the difficulty of this? Several hundred thousand people marching around the city without a word, not even a whisper. There were the priests with the trumpets. There was the Ark of the Covenant. There were the men and then the rest of the people. This would include the men and the women all marching in silence. In fact, he closes that quote by saying, if the men or the women were there, just being quiet in silence was amazing. We've been around kids for very long. They're not always quiet. The passage doesn't tell us why they were to be silent. But perhaps it illustrates the teaching of the principle of being silent before God and just resting in Him, finding a resting place. 
Because in Exodus chapter 14, it says this, the Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. And in Psalm 46, it says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations and I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. And as this psalm suggests, the silence teaches us the need to get quiet, to stop our running around, that we may rest quietly in him as we think on him in the midst of our trials and our conquests. Our tendency is to gripe and complain to, to others and to seek our comfort from people more than just talking to God and seeking our comfort for him. There are going to be times that the Lord will ask of you things that seem out of the ordinary. Oh, we've never done that. It may seem odd and out of place, but it is of the Lord. He's testing our response of obedience. How do you learn to be obedient in the big things? By being obedient in the small things. Their problems seemed insurmountable. God asked of them an improbable request. And yet God provided an improbable answer. On the seventh day, the Israelites got up at dawn and marched around the town as they had done before. But this time, but this time they went around the town seven times. And the seventh time around, as the priests sounded the long blast of their horns, Joshua commanded the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the town. You see, it was a demonstration that if we would respond with obedience, with faith in God, that God would fight their battles and would give them victory. There was a growing anticipation. There was a growing excitement. Okay, by about day five and day six, we've got this. Okay, I feel a little better. We're walking around, and now we're doing it seven times. Boy, that's a big jump. And in the first, I wonder if they felt like this. In the first time around, hey, you know what? God's got this. On the second time around, this is going to be exciting. On the third and the fourth and the fifth and the sixth, and on the sixth time around, I wonder if anybody began to think this way. I hope it happens. But man, if it does, this is going to be amazing. And as they began to walk on the seventh, I wonder if there was a sense of anticipation and a sense of excitement that began to say, this is the time God said he was going to deliver us. And if God was ever going to do this, we have seen him do this and we've seen him do this. And God, if you're ever gonna answer prayer, this is gonna be the time. You may not be asked to walk around a city, but God may ask of you to surround your obstacle or your situation in prayer. My questions are these. What walls do you need broken down today? Where do you need to operate in the realm of faith? Where do you need to be obedient to God's leading? In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, it says this, we are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the, the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. No. John Maxwell talks about hindrances of prayer. Things that, the walls that we, that we sort of have up and things that block our times of, of prayer. Unconfessed sin will block those prayers. Lack of faith, disobedience, lack of transparency with God and others, unforgiveness, 
if we're unwilling to forgive others, it's, that can hinder, that can be a wall that's wrong motives, idols in my life. Idols don't have to be something that you sit as some kind of a statue. An idol can be anything that takes the place of God. Disregard for others. Disregard for God's sovereignty. An unsurrendered will. So I guess I close with this this morning. So how do, how do we overcome spiritual battles with prayer? Well, we go to God's word. This is what he says. A final word. Be strong in the Lord. And in his mighty power, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then, then after the battle, you will still be, don't you love this? Then after the battle, you'll still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you'll be able to be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to, the, to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert. Be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. What does he say? Be strong in the Lord. Put on all of God's armor to resist the enemy. Stand your ground. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Don't give the enemy a foothold. Be persistent in your prayers. This morning, before we sing and as we close, is it time to break down some spiritual walls? Is it time maybe in your life to say, you know what, I'm tired. I'm tired of those walls in my life. I'm tired of those obstacles. I'm tired of those things that hinder my, my spiritual life from growing. I'm just tired of Satan seeming to have his own way. Today, I'm going to stand on God's word. And I know that there have been many times in my own life, in my own mind, I begin to say, God, today, I just put on I just put on the, the armor of God because there are gonna come things against my, my pathway. There's gonna be decisions that I have to make and people that I've got to encounter. There have gotta be situations in life that seem so insurmountable. But God, this morning, you have already said in your word that we can have victory in those things according to your will and according to your plan. And so God, this morning, I relinquish those things to you. I know that you can fight those things. And I'm praying, Lord, this morning, I don't know how, I don't know where, I don't know when, but God, my prayer is today that you would begin to knock down those walls that have hindered us for so many years. 
For some, the wall can only be this tall because it's only begin, begun to be built. For others, that wall has been there an awful long time. For some, it's just a spoken word, maybe something small. For others, it has surrounded them. And it's been hard for people to get in. It's been hard for us to get out. My prayer this morning is that you would find freedom today. My prayer is that you'd find victory this morning. My prayer this morning is that you would stop thinking that, that the, the things of life are so insurmountable and that we would take God at his word because God can do anything. Anything. I mean, you want to know how the Bible starts? This is what it says. In the beginning, God. That's it. And the rest of Scripture tells us of his love story for you and for me. How he did all kinds of things. And this morning, maybe by faith, you need to surround that wall and begin to say, God, that wall no longer has sway over me. It might be because of inbred sin. It might be because we've never given our lives to God. We've allowed God to, we've allowed Satan to, to tell us lies and we've just believed them. And this morning, we're gonna ask God to begin to break some things down. That as we sing this song, that if you want to just come and pray to say, God, this is my time. I'm going to step out like the children of Israel. I'm going to step out in obedience and I'm just going to come and pray and I'm just going to leave it there at the altar and I'm tired of carrying it. For whatever it is, God, I'm asking you to begin to break some things down And because God, I know that you can. I can't do it, but you can. And so this morning as we pray and as we begin to sing, this is your marching orders. This is the time for you to say, God, we're taking this victory back because you said in your word that we could have those things. Do you believe that this morning, whether you're not, you're here in person or you're watching us online this morning, God can do an amazing process in your life if you'll just respond to him, to whatever he's saying. Would you do that this morning? Would you stand with me? And as we begin to pray and as we begin to sing, if God is speaking to you, I'm going to ask you to step out in a moment of prayer just to come and begin to pray around the front to say, God, whatever it is in my life, God, I'm giving that to you this morning. Father, we're going to find victory this morning. We're going to, you're going to do it again. God, we're tired of doing this on our own. And so, God, we stand on the Word of God. We're going to put on the full armor of God. We're going to stand strong and confident because you are God and we are not. Help us this morning, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you come? Let's pray together, shall we?